What you're about to hear is a portion of this week's Pod Dylan, the full version of which is now available only to FM Plus subscribers. Please enjoy this sample. For just a few dollars a month, FM Plus subscribers get all of our full episodes, bonus episodes, plus full archives from every show in the FM Podcast Network. Subscribing makes all of these great shows possible. You can sign up in Apple Podcasts or at fmpods.com. When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Listen to me, baby. There's something you must see. I want to be with you, gal. If you want to be with me, but if you got to go, it's all right. But if you got to go, go now or else you got to stay all night. This is Pod Dylan. That's what it celebrates the work of Bob Dylan. One song at a time. Part of the FM podcast network. I'm your host of Freewheeling, Rob Kelly. And joining us this week to talk about if you got to go, go now or else you got to stay all night is fellow Bobcat, Lindsay Davidson. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome back. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you back. It dawned on me. I'm going to say it dawned on me. I looked it up that <laughs> when you were on the show the last time, I thought it didn't feel like it had been this long, but it's been almost three years to the day when you were on the last time. I said we've been interacting on, on Twitter and stuff. If I just didn't, it, maybe that's make it, maybe that's why it doesn't feel like it's so long when you're interacting with someone on, on some sort of informal basis and you're, you're seeing them on your feed and stuff. And then I'm like, wow, three years since you've been on the show. And when you were on the first time, where we talked about one too many mornings, your fandom for Bob was was kind of new. You were you were one of the like newer converts, if you want to use that word. A, a new disciple of Bob. Disciple, there you go, perfect. You were you you would recently join the flock, let's say, when you yes. were on the show. And so now, three years in, I'm I before we get to the song, I want to know how has your fandom manifested itself in the in the three years since you're on the show. Since I became one of the many grains of sand of Bob fans, <laughs> uh, I I did have to kind of put a, a damper on my Bob fandom for a little while because otherwise I was going to burn out. It was it was getting a little too on the obsessive side, so I needed to listen to some other artists and you know try some other things out. But the problem was that half those artists I ended up the songs I liked from them were just surprise covers of Bob songs that I didn't even know existed yet. <laughs> really loved Rod Stewart. And then I found out, oh, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, Tomorrow is a Long Time. It's like, that's a really great song. Who is it? Like, where is it from? Oh, no, it's a Bob song. Like, great, you can't of get away from him, Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> He's everywhere. Boy, this Adele song is really good. I really like this Make You Feel My Love song. This is just, this is just terrific. <laughs> Oh my goodness! I it took me so long to realize that yes, that is a Bob song. Oh, it's like wow, this is a great song. And then I realized, like, oh, of course, yes, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> now, were you buying? Have you been buying like the bootleg series sets in in between and stuff like that? I do. When you when I talked to you three years ago, had you had? Did you have all the records at that point, or did you still have more to to get? I'm very much the millennial who is. Uh, you know, mostly will download the albums on Spotify, but okay. I don't own any physical albums at all. Okay. At some point, I need to. Uh, at some point, my fandom will get so obsessive that uh, yeah, I'll have to start paying there. I do have way too many books on Bob, so mm. I'm I'm just collecting the books first, and then 
I will definitely jump into more. I think the bootleg series first, because I like all the additional little homework material that you can read about of every little single detail on an album and the creation. I love a fandom that involves a lot of homework. So you got to yeah, go with oh, the album. Yeah. And then, yeah. Oh, just as a side question, uh, in terms of your book reading, do you need to read books physical or do you get, you get do you split them between print and Kindle? I mean, how, how is your, your book uh, fandom manifesting? Uh, it's definitely a mix of the two. Um, I, I find a lot of Bob books actually in like used bookstores. So mm-hmm. I can get those for like a buck or two. Uh, and it's not too bad. I've rented them from the library. I think I've absolutely exhausted uh, some of the cities in Southern Ontario that have <laughs> Bob books. <laughs> and then uh, some of the books, though, I do like just based on availability and also, you know, you're lying on the couch. And so scrolling through Kindle gotcha, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. store and you buy a couple others. Do you have a favorite book, Bob book? Um, I'm trying to think. I think... Uh, I do have uh, No Direction Home, and I read also Down the Highway uh, quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. But my absolute favorite is uh, during COVID, I tried to start learning to play the guitar. And so I own the entire Bob Dylan chord book collection, which is a solid two and a half inches thick. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love scrolling through that thing to, you know, look at the various, like, how to play songs and stuff. And so it's got everything from... You know, self-titled to up to Tempest, at least. And every wow. bootleg series in between. Mm. Like, yes. <laughs> well, n- now that you brought, it, you brought it up, I have to ask, have you have you learned to play any Bob songs yet? Um, I think every early guitar player can at least play Knocking on Heaven's Door. But <laughs> I was looking at the chords uh, for this song today, and... I don't think there's a simpler song. There's very few simpler songs than this one, actually, today. Maybe only uh, Oxford Town and Masters of War. It's like two chords that's just alternating back and forth. But Well, I, for people that play guitar, you say that. I, I, I don't know any of this stuff. You know, to me, even two chords is two more than I can possibly handle so okay i'll just, i'll take your word for it so okay well now and now when you were on the show last time you had not seen him live to that point but that apparently is about to change yes i he's just announced the new uh tour dates and he's finally added a canadian date for the first time in the past or in six years wow. so he hasn't played here since 2017 and i finally going to be close enough that i can go see one of his concerts in montreal and he's also playing a couple in toronto as well which is great that's really cool how far so away i'm very you? excited uh oh it's only about two and a half hours for me so it's like oh it's just a little little jaunt over it's fine <laughs> canada's very big uh that that's so exciting that is so, i'm so happy for you that you're going to get to experience that because it is it we've talked about it on the show a bunch of times it is really a transformative experience for anyone. I, I still get it. 25, 26 shows in. And I know people that have been to five times as many shows as me and they still say it. But that first one, when you realize there it, that th- I'm in the room with the guy. Yeah. That it's, it's something else. It really is. Like that's him. He's over there. Oh my mm-hmm. God. <laughs> it becomes I, a I also, I'm just reality, looking at it, right? like, he he seems to a lot of his great concerts are in Montreal. Maybe there's just something about the crowd or the vibe or something. And so I'm really looking forward to it. And I can't wait to yeah to be in the same room as the guy. Yeah, I wonder why it's been six years. 
that seems like a long time. Canada's a, I, you know, pretty big country, a lot of major cities and a lot of people. That's, it seems strange that he would go that long. It's not that far for him to like, you know, do it because he's, let's say, okay, he's based in Southern California. It's not that far a jaunt up for him to say, go to Vancouver or something. Like it's hmm. not that bad, but I don't know. Maybe we just. He was touring other places and seeing other parts of the world. He's been here many times before. It's just I wasn't born yet, right. so I didn't really get to do that. That's I. That I'm so excited. When is the show? Uh, it's going to be on October 28th. I'm not sure if any of the audience here also is from the uh, this part of Canada, so maybe I'll see some people from who listen at the show. Yeah, but it'll be on uh, Sunday the 29th. Sorry. Oh, that is so, I'm, that's awesome. That again, I am so happy for you because it's, it's just going to be such an amazing, not, I mean, not only is he just doing great shows, these, this whole Rough and Ratty Waste tour has been really exceptional, but just again, the experience of being in the room with them and just seeing, seeing him once, is, is the place where you're seeing him, is it like a big hall, a small one? Uh, I think it's a fairly like good sized hall. Um, like it's not like, you know, the big, uh, hockey arena that they would mm-hmm. have in Montreal, but it's, I think it's pretty big. Like I'd say it's probably at least, you know, a couple thousand seats or so. Like when he plays here, he sells out, um, I'd say more like mid-sized venues, but that seems to be kind of his perfect little niche of, you know, where he knows that he can sell out every ticket and be fine mm-hmm. and like still turn a profit for the tour. And so like it seems to be at this point of the, uh, the never ending tour that it is perfectly calibrated and they know all the venues to play of where they'll turn a profit and have a great audience that's awesome I, anytime he's in town where he's he's in the area for more than one night i always wonder like is he staying at a hotel and like what hotel is he in like what is you know i mean i'm not gonna go chase down after i'm not like a weirdo like that but i always think about him like is he in like a local, like just a couple of weeks ago, um, we were, my wife and I went to one of those like horror sci-fi TV autograph shows that we go to all yes. the time. And Ron Perlman, Hellboy was the guest and he was there over three nights and a friend of ours went to a local restaurant in Philly and there he was, he was just sitting there <laughs> having dinner and you're like, well, of course he's got to go eat. You know, while he's in Philly for three days, he's not just, just going to you know hide in his hotel room. But yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Well, why? Why would he do that? He's not going to, you know. So I think about that. I'm like, you know, God, if you're like hanging out in 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 your area, right, and like he's in a restaurant, I'm like, look, there's there's Tony and Bob just sitting there having having a sandwich. Can you imagine just like running into Bob and like members of his band, just yeah, having oh. dinner. You're like, I would just turn the other way and walk out the door. I'm like, I'm not even going to touch that. Oh, is that really? Is that what you think you would do? You would not even try? You would just be like, I I can't handle this? I think I would embarrass myself and also make him uncomfortable. So I don't want to put either of us into that situation. And I'm just going to walk straight out that door. Okay. Well, that's actually, that's going to tie in. I was trying to decide what exit question to ask you. And now I know which one I'm going to ask you based on what you just said. So we'll, we'll get to that in a, in, in a few minutes. So, <laughs> well, anyway, like I said, I'm really excited for you. I'm really happy for you. That's just going to be a, a great experience. And I can't wait to talk to you again after it happens. Cause I said, you will be a, I think you'll be a slightly different, maybe not a different person, but a certainly different Bob fan afterwards. Okay. You know? I look forward to it. Not to, not to, not to, you know, race It's going to be transformative. Too high. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, maybe should oversell it on Bob's behalf, but nevertheless, I, I'm really happy. I've been looking okay. at all the pictures of like how they kind of set up the stage. Like 
what's the best side to sit on? Like, where are you going to get the best like view? Cause I understand he's mostly based at the piano now. So mm-hmm. like, which direction is it facing? Is it center of the stage? Maybe not. Where are you? Where are you in the hall? Is it? Uh, I believe I'm more on really closely doxing myself here. Uh, I think I'm on like the, the right side. And I think that's kind of based on the photos. Okay. I'll find out, but who knows? I think the first concert maybe is more of a learning experience as to where you got to sit or when you got to buy the tickets to try to get the best possible view. <laughs> Absolutely. You got to buy merch. Got to do that too. Don't be very excited. Oh, yeah. So, all right. Well, I think Stoke's comment today was uh, Bob's uh, greatest nemesis is font. Uh, I absolutely cackled at that. I just, I, you know, I don't, I just, sorry, sorry. I have my issues with, with some of the topography on his, on his releases. I don't like being mean about things, but I, every time I see these releases and I just like, why, why? I think you have a more of a professional eye for this than maybe the rest of us. uh, I know. I just, I I don't like, I don't like ever being negative about anyone's work because I've put, I've had a lot of work out there that wasn't good and, you do the best you can, but I sometimes I just all right. I'm sorry head. to bring it up. I'm I sorry. know. I well, I brought, I was the one who said it, so it's, it's all it's all fair and love and war. But anyway, uh, <laughs> well, anyway, okay, super cool. I'm really excited for you. That's that's just fantastic and good for all of his Canadian fans that he's finally coming back to Canada. You know, that's just that's just fantastic. So we're very happy. We're sorry about it too. Uh, <laughs> so so okay, let's talk about if you got to go, go now, or else you got to stay all night. This is. uh Bob Dylan pop star, yes. uh, you know, Bob is like, Hey, I can write fun, fun, poppy, um, the one I, you know, I did of course did reading about this song and there is some supposition and I don't know whether it's, this is people just making this up or it's based on, uh, you know, firsthand knowledge or probably secondhand knowledge in this case. But I did read some things about saying that, you know, we know Bob was a huge Beatles fan. Of course he was. Who wasn't? Yeah. I mean, some sentient being was a Beatles fan. And Bob was jealous of their chart success, which why wouldn't you be? The Beatles had unheralded chart success. And it wasn't like they were putting out Pablum and reaching number one. They were doing innovative things musically and lyrically and and still topping the charts. And Bob was never quite able to do that on his own. He certainly had hit songs for other people. And he would have, like a Rolling Stone was just a, a year away from when he was recording this. But nevertheless, he was sort of like, hey, I can do this too. Why can't I? And some people have surmised that that's, this song is a little bit that kind of thing of like, hey, I can kind of go into a lower gear, not to say this in like in sort of like as a pejorative, but like I can, I can write a pop song and it can have all the Dylan, you know, hallmarks, but it can still be a pop song. And, you know, if you listen to it, you're like, yeah, why can't he do that? Why can't he have a hit single? So I'm fascinated. Why did you want to talk about this one? I I really just liked this song that it's like Bob has fun. I want you songs. He has fun. I want to sleep with you songs. Mm-hmm. But this is just a, a fun little raunchy good time. <laughs> and I think I, when I looked it up, the song came out only or sorry, it never really came out, but it was written only a couple months or so after Hard Day's Night basically took the world by storm. And yeah, mm-hmm. it just seems like he's just, I can do it. I can write something that is fun and going to get everybody going like and have a great time. And heck, yeah. <laughs> I also want to yeah. sleep with you. Yeah, I right. Yeah. I mean, like, and it's so funny because I, yeah, I was not familiar with this song. It was released 
uh, as a um, a single in Europe in 1967 of all play, like why 67? Yeah. Why why three years later they finally? So it was released in that context, but of course, I never heard it. I didn't hear it until the Bootleg series uh, version came out uh, on the volumes one to three. But yeah, it's it's so funny because like Bob, I think Bob cannot help himself, right? Even when he is trying to be pop Bob Dylan, you know. He still yeah. can't help. It, this is still a lyrically Dylan-esque song. It reminded me a little bit of a much of a much kind of nicer, gentler version of "She's Your Lover Now." I mean, that song has the the triad inherently because he's talking to, you know, the the other the lover of his the other two lover. people. He's talking to two people in that song here. This is much more straightforward, but it has that same kind of weird lyrical round delays that he goes on that is so Dylan-esque and even though again the song is so poppy sounding he still can't help himself I mean just the way he phrases thing it ain't that I'm questioning you to take part in any kind of quiz it's just that I ain't got no watch and you keep asking me what time it is no one else is going to write that like, no yeah. one else but Bob Dylan is going to write a verse like that even when he's trying to be again like you know king of pop maybe I think maybe I took something entirely different from this song <laughs> Because oh, for okay. some reason, when I read this song, it it gives me distinctly like college vibes. Like a, you know, the narrator is he's trying to be funny and like flirt with someone else, but he's also just like slightly incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> like some of us never grew out of being slightly incompetent to flirting. It happens. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Raise his hand. Uh- <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's like. I want to connect with you, but I also respect you. I'm like, buddy, you're so struggling. <laughs> so you want to take a part in a quiz? Ask me what time it is. I'm like, oh god. And so you're saying if some if somebody was trying to put on the moves on you with these lines, it would not work on you. Uh, I think really, for some reason, I get the vibe that the the recipient or the person who this song is being you know said to. They've got the narrator clocked. They know what this is going on. They're like, they're not buying a second of it. But also, if they're fun and flirty and they just want to have a good time, go for it. Right. It might work anyway, despite the lack of game. Yes. By the narrator. It's interesting. But it's in a fun, poppy way. He's flirty and he's out. Like, he's shooting his shot. And I respect the heck out of it. In the brief period in my life while that overlapped with me doing the show i when i was single i was talking to a a friend and i was bemoaning the fact that i have no game whatsoever i just i'm just hopelessly inept at it and her 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 conclusion was well that's your game is that you don't have any that's like that's what it is no (laughs) yeah there's no uh not predetermined but more like you're not putting on any airs or something. There's no artifice. Kind of that Cause I There's can't no do artifice it. To it. You're like, it's, um, Oh, what's that? Uh, Paul Simon quote about how he just can't not sound sincere. It's like, you just, you're sincere. And that's great. I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no one wants I, to get lied to. Right. I, yeah. I think that's kind of what it was. And I mean, it, you know, it all worked out. I'm married now. <laughs> I mean, at the time I was just like, it clearly worked. It clearly worked. I just can't, I just can't, I'm just so hopelessly inept at it. So that's really interesting that, that from your, your, uh, your perspective that, yeah, if you have a guy or anybody really talking to yeah. you like this, you're respecting how clumsy he is at 
at trying to trying to do this come on. Yes, it's because um, I know you're going to get to more of the lines, but like there's some a little bit in a little twinge of uh, I don't want to say Dylan nastiness, but as you said, like there's a little bit of a twinge or tweak to it. Um, mm. But it's still fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not really the most descriptive about this song. No, I just, no, I think that's that's a really interesting perspective i would not have i would never have you know that was like yeah this is because this is probably how i would talk although not as clever but this is this kind of thing i mean he i mean it is funny when you think about this is you know he writes this in 1964 this is fairly lascivious for a 1964 song things are changing but they're not quite there just yet i mean the 60s yes it's technically the 60s but it's not sort of the 60s that we think about when we think of the 60s you know we think easy rider and Jimi hendrix that's not where we're we're not here yet and here's a no. guy saying basically you gotta you know come on let's sleep together and if we're not then you gotta you gotta get going that's exactly that's- like it, at least this person's being almost up front of like hey i want to sleep with you right now but otherwise like i'm gonna move on to the next person like if there's a <laughs> I shouldn't say respect. There is almost like a a benefit in numbers to that. Of like, you know, you you shoot as many shots as possible to <laughs> to get the best result. <laughs> you miss every shot you don't take. Exactly. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, like I said, there there is there is it's 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 dirty and as, like I just said, lascivious, but also honest because he's just he's not trying to fool this person. He's just like, hey, this is where we are. And you could take this or leave it, but if you're going to leave it, you got to go now. Uh, yeah, which is again very direct. And so I love in the the the, the next verse, where he says, "I am just a poor boy, baby." Which, by the way, that to me is in its own way a very Dylan esque line because I think of that quote that Joan Baez had about Bob Dylan, where she said, "When you met him, especially in the early days, he brought out uh, the again. I don't want to a mothering. Yeah, she said you. He brought out a mothering instinct in women who didn't even know they had any, because he had he had such a kind of like, oh, I'm just such a poor waif, creative soul kind of thing. And so when he says, "I am just a poor boy, baby," you're Bob Dylan. Come on, but even by '64, you're Bob Dylan. I'm just a poor boy. Oh, really? I think I'm really just giving myself away because I I was, I was thinking of the exact same thing earlier today. I'm like, I think I'm just getting. You know, early sixties. <laughs> I'm turning into Joan Baez right now. I was like, oh, it's just <laughs> I'm falling for it. I'm poor little Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but he says, I'm just a poor baby looking to connect. But I certainly don't want you thinking that I ain't got any respect. Which again, we're talking about right then and there. Now, I wanted to, I really wanted to mention that because I was listening to the other versions that are available, and the one on. Uh, Bootleg Series Volume Six, live the uh, the live set from the London the Philharmonic yes. Hall, right? First of all, that version is really fun because the the audience gets into it; they're laughing at every line. It's a comedy song, you know, and yeah. it, it gets a lot of laughs. But it's weird when he gets to that line about uh, that I ain't got any respect. He gets a round of applause, <laughs> and I'm like, why? Why are they clapping? Like, like, like laughing, I understand. The clapping yeah. makes no sense. It's, like, like, it's not like he's like singing, you know, Congressman, please, you know, please leave the hall. Like, he's like, oh, he's really saying something profound. Like, yes, like, respect. 
what? Like, <laughs> I was so baffled that the audience is clapping after that line. I'm like, why are they clapping? I don't get like, that's how much he had these people in the palm of his hand that they're like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah was- he has no respect. Oh, he's not respecting authority. It's like, guys, no. That's not yeah. what's going I don't know. It's really I have baffling. no idea what that audience was. Like, I- they laughed at every, you know, essentially punchline of this song. Oh, man, yeah. yeah and then they were it. just, and then the clapping, you're like, what's going on? Yeah, he really had him in that because they are. Ro- I mean, maybe it's it's yeah with a benefit of forty years or fifty years, but it, like they are roaring, and it's like okay, it's funny. It's not that funny, you know. Like it's oh. like oh my god, it's not. This isn't Richard Pryor, nineteen seventy five, guys. It's not. It's not like the funniest thing ever. But yeah, that's a, it's fun. And so, what do you think about? We'll talk about the rest of the lyrics in a minute. But what do you think about the song acoustic versus electric? Do you think do you, do you kind of prefer one over the other? Um, I, I do prefer the acoustic version of it. And I think when we get into more of the, um, uh, number of times it's been played and the like mm. set list and stuff, like I have a bit more kind of, or I can bring it up now. Absolutely. I have a, probably a theory related to that. Oh, sure. I love what's here. Wow. What's that? So I was doing like in preparation for this, uh, recording, I was doing a lot of looking at, a uh, number of times the song has been played, where it kind of showed up in the set list, and like just to try to get a bit more context of it. And in pretty much every circumstance the song was played live, it basically was sandwiched in between Gates of Eden, uh, If You Gotta Go, Go Now, and then It's All Right, Mom, Only Bleeding. Good which Lord. There's a, like, nothing against this song, but those are two heavy-hitting songs. <laughs> to be on either side of you and it's and i kind of have a theory of that that this song is a little bit of like a pressure release valve mm. for the set list of that you have this those two big heavy hitting songs on either side and like okay we put this one in the middle and it's just kind of like it almost like a palate cleanser that just like lets everybody like they can laugh they're cheering they're having a great time and so like it just kind of lightens the mood a little bit before we then go into it's all right, ma. And then the last time this song got played was, and I'm not going to get into the event, but it was played two months before Newport 65. Mm -hmm. And this song has pretty much uh, only really been played uh, at least live as an acoustic version. And I think more of like this song might be a little bit, emblematic of something he needed in those acoustic only shows that you need this kind of change of pace song before you get to the next one. Whereas when maybe he's in more of the uh, electric era to modern day, like you can get the same kind of impact if you just change, you know, the instrumentation, the tempo a bit more. So it doesn't, you don't have to have this kind of jokey song almost in the middle there to lighten things. He can just play, I want you or lay, 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 and just kind of like chill it out a little bit while still keeping all the instrumentation. Mm-hmm. It's like, and that's, I, that's kind of my theory as to maybe why it never got, it never survived past, you know, May, 1965. Mm-hmm. But then again, also he played it as a, a song for the CBS Miami sales conference. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's, that's got a full electric version. So I think my theory is just absolutely up the window, but <laughs> 
Thanks for listening to this part of the episode. We hope you'll consider becoming an FM Plus subscriber to hear the full version of this and all of our shows. Sign up in Apple Podcasts or at fmpods.com.